that's what we're doing in, when, we're, when we're waking up, when we're accessing presence, is we're taking fuel from the fire that's burning us, the suffering, the self-sabotage. And when we take away that fuel, that's enough. We just need to make a habit of taking away that fuel. Welcome to the Achieve Today podcast, where you will learn valuable insights, tips that work, and expert advice on how to overcome your limiting beliefs and progress towards achieving your goals, not tomorrow, not the next day, but today. My name is Jake Mix, and I am your host for this podcast episode, where we will be diving deep into presence and living in the now. Now, as you can imagine, this is a very broad topic, but to help us understand it a little bit more, we have brought in Gil McKiff, who has been with Achieve Today since 2003, and he has a variety of skills in personal development, one especially being presence and living in the now. Gil is an amazing coach, and we're excited to have him on the interview. So enjoy. So I have the one and only Gil McKiff with Hey-o. us today. Yep. And Gil has been an executive coach at Achieve Today since 2003? 2003. 2003. Man, that's... You're like, you're one of the old, you're one of the old ones here. Almost 17 years. Almost 17 years. Jeez, Holy so moly. At this point, you've probably coached tens of thousands of people. Nah, but yeah, thousands. <laughs> thousands of people, yeah. which is very impressive. And uh, Gil, one thing that I am continually impressed with you on is you come into the office every single day and you bring such a positivity and light and, uh, and I'm just amazed at how you can continue with that energy. Mm. And so talking about presence, and we'll just dive right into this, talking about presence and living in the now, do you believe that that has contributed to your happiness and positivity over the years? Or do you, have you naturally just always been that way? Yeah, both. Um, presence is consciousness reclaimed from the mind. So you are that consciousness. It's not like you have consciousness. You are consciousness. Uh, it, uh, people that are more spiritual or religious might prefer to say soul or spirit. And that works too. You are the soul. You don't have a soul. You are the soul. And presence is that reclaimed from the mind. So when it's fused to the mind, then it's identified with all of your stories. And then you have your pleasure and pains I like and I don't like, the goods and the bads. And this gives you a kind of a baseline attitude in life, a baseline personality. Your highs and lows averaged out, that's where you're going to be if your mind identified. When you reclaim consciousness or soul back from the mind, that on a scale of 1 to 10, that what you are is a 10. So what altitude are you flying at? What kind of mood are you in? What, what's your attitude, right? That's, that's your baseline. That's your average that you're identifying with the world uh, as or how you're being in the world. But again, that's conditioned. So as somebody would cultivate mindfulness or meditation practice, ultimately what they're doing is they're cultivating that reclamation of consciousness or soul from the mind. And so it's no longer a conditioned state. It's a natural state of joy. So anybody that's pursuing that is going to wake up to that authentic nature. And that authentic nature is much higher than whatever their average state is. Okay. So I've spent some time with that. It's a, it's a favorite subject, if you will. It's my passion. Um, uh, that's why I'm hosting the Spirituality Mastermind with Achieve Today. Um, I, I think that's really what it's all about. I think spirituality and consciousness and awareness, that's the pinnacle of personal development. It, it just doesn't get better than that. Anybody that's pursuing goals or objectives in life, better relationships, better finances, better health, ultimately in that personal development path, they're going to come to that top of the ladder, that 
you know, spirituality. I'm going to call it spirituality just because it's not religious. There's a big difference between religious and spirituality. But this spirituality is the science of the self with a capital S. And at some point, we're going to arrive there because it's only there that we're going to find fulfillment and freedom uh, and genuine empowerment. And when I say fulfillment and freedom and empowerment, I do mean genuine fulfillment, freedom and empowerment, love, peace, and joy. Also, they're going to be found there in the authentic state. And when you're cut off from that, then you're chasing it. You're dependent on it. How do I get it? Where do I get it? What do I need to do to get it? And so many people are stuck in that because they're identified with, I'm not there but that's because they're identified with that mind-body. So you can see that if you can reclaim that consciousness, that soul from the mind-body, you start realizing you're already there and you've been chasing something out there that you can't, you can never get. You can get little samples of it. You can get little teasers, you know, little pacifiers of it, but not the real deal. It comes from the inside out. Interesting. Long answer. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. So is it something, man, that's, yeah, that's fascinating. So is it something that can be, explained or like how do you when you're talking to students and and you're talking to clients how do you explain something that because I, th I feel like a lot of people like you said they have to reclaim it they have to bring out what's already naturally there mm. how, someone who hasn't even thought about this or who's just getting into these personal development concepts how do you explain it in a simple way that they understand and then they can yeah. motivate them to actually get there um I, I, there's a couple shockers. Um, those that believe in the soul or spirit uh, would tend to say, I have a soul. Okay. And so for them, I'll say, no, you don't. <laughs> and that's like, you know, a shocker, kind of like a Tony Robbins F-bomb, right? Yeah. Whoa, whoa, what did you just say? Yeah. And with, with you don't have a soul, immediately followed up by you are the soul. Right, but what is that? Um, so for them that have a little bit of a foundation, that's where I'm gonna go. There's some people that don't believe in soul spirit at all, they're more into consciousness awareness. And so for anybody, we have to start breaking down what some of these words mean because we, we make so many assumptions. The, the mind can't know what love is, right? That's why we have so many definitions for it. Right. Um, but for those that are on the beginning uh, of their journey, uh, I like to say that you are what is no longer here at your funeral. Interesting. Yeah? Yeah. It kind of makes sense. makes sense. So anybody that's been to a funeral knows, well, there's the body, but Gil's not here anymore. Right? And they would say, Gil died. But no, that, that's an assumption that we make. Um, the body's dead. Right? It's lifeless. It's going to get buried. Right? It's going to get turned into worm food. Yeah. But Gil's not here anymore. Now there's a lot of you know, debate on where is Gil now or where is that soul or where is that consciousness. But the fact is, is that's what you are and you are that right now and it's not the body and it's not the mind. So immediately we have the client starting to go, huh, that makes sense. Yeah. I wanna know more. Yeah. And so if they're open and receptive, then we start unpacking some of these things like what is that? And it doesn't really matter what you name it. We just need to be able to point to it in the beginning to say that's what you are and that's where you're going to find fulfillment, freedom, empowerment, love, peace, and joy. Not in believing in it, but in realizing it, in having direct perception, in knowing. Um, I mean, would you rather believe that you're going to win the lottery or no? that you're gonna win the lottery, oh, yeah. no. right? Yeah. There's so much more confidence in that. Yeah. And so would you rather believe in I have a soul or know I am the soul, mm. right? It's yeah. a big difference. And so we, we kind of 
tease people along the way with a little bit more insight, a little bit more insight, and then we'll give them practices to help them realize it from themse- for themselves. So it's not about believing it. Okay. It's really exciting. Interesting. Yeah. So, so it's a knowing, which is cool. It's got to be a knowing. Well, you said, okay, you said uh, some things to practice it. What, mm-hmm. are, what are some common things that you give people in the beginning? Or maybe if they're at the more advanced level, what mm-hmm. are some things across the spectrum that you give to people to practice presence, to practice mm-hmm. consciousness? I'm sure that's, that's a broad uh, It is a really broad question. subject. Yeah. Um, You've heard the term mindfulness. Everybody's heard the term mindfulness. Mindfulness is like practicing presence. And it's uh, you're cultivating that process of paying attention, of being focused, of being present to what's going on. So a mindfulness practice might say, when you're eating, eat. When you're talking, talk. But don't mix the two. You know, one thing at a time, be fully engaged in it. Savor your food, bless your food, ingest your food, take it in with receptivity, with uh, with gratitude and, you know, with intention, uh, this is fuel for the system. This is my temple. This is my vehicle that I am living life in. And, you know, so do one thing at a time is one example of that. But ultimately, when we say, if we say that presence is consciousness reclaimed from the mind, well, what's reinforcing mind? And what is mind? I mean, that's a big one right there. Yeah. What is mind? Yeah. We hear so much use of the word mind, but how many people can tell you what the mind is. I mean, a reputable neuroscientist is not going to say mind typically. I mean, maybe kind of tongue in cheek and you know what I mean, but they'll say brain, they'll say uh, synaptic uh, function or, you know, neurons or lobes or whatever. They'll talk about brain, but mind is something that's not necessarily a provable term in the scientific community. So if you want to look at mind, go more towards the uh, the masters who can tell you exactly what mind is. And what they're going to say is that mind is comprised of four different things. It's memory, it's intellect, it's identity, and then something that might be called pure discriminating intelligence. And that pure discriminating intelligence is like the intelligence of the soul that you are. So you add that to the memories and the intellect and the identity, and that intelligence is what animates it and sustains it. And so collectively, all of that together is kind of like your story, right? Your identity, right? Your, my memories, my, uh, everything that I've learned, and I'll put all that together, we can say mind. So when we reclaim consciousness from the mind, um, how is that naturally cultivated? Um, doing things that you enjoy, where you can lose yourself in it, where you're no longer thinking about, you know, tomorrow and yesterday, but you're right here absorbed into the moment. So present moment activities, um, creative activities, people that love to sing or love to dance or love to go hiking or, you know, go bomb the pipeline trail, not bomb the pipeline trail, but, you know, hit the pipeline trail and have a great time on, you know, something exciting. A lot of um, extreme sports, you know, will bring those types of people into the moment uh, because it's life or death and they're ultra focused. But absolutely, positively, definitely, there is no substitute for meditation. So we need to address that sooner than later with people. And then what's meditation and well, which kind of meditation is right for me? So much out there, but um, creative acts, play is a big one, play. I mean, children, look at children, Yeah. right? Children yeah. playing, they're there already. They're not so much caught up in you know these obligations for the future and to pay the bills and these regrets over the past. They're just more so present already. Yeah. And so look to the children, they're a great example. What are children doing? 
can we go out and play? Yeah. Right. So playing, um, creative activities, uh, singing and dancing, but again, no substitute for meditation. So, okay. So you'd say meditation, probably number one, um, most, well, meditation and play. Okay. Yeah. Both together. Um, play is how we're already doing it naturally. What do you love to do? How do you like to let off steam? Right. Now there's constructive and destructive ways to let off steam. You know, you can have an addict that's going to the bar to let off steam, you know, just a few more drinks and I'm there. Yeah. Or, you know, you could have a sex addict or you could have a habitual shopper, you know, a spending addict. Um, and that feels like a letting off of steam. They get back into this natural state. But in the play sense, what do you do physically? Um, and there now you could have a sex addict, right? So somebody who's gets addicted to porn, we have a lot of that coming through our system where people are, you know, saying, I really have this challenge with pornography yeah. or, you know, we even have sex addicts anonymous. Um, this, this is the number one activity that takes you out of soul, spirit, consciousness, awareness, and into mind, body, identity, number one activity. So we're going to shine a light on that. Um, but in what, what is the most significant thing to cultivate this presence. Um, yeah, outdoors, time outdoors, we didn't mention that. So when I say play, um, my mind goes to outdoors, but not everybody's mind does. So um, definitely we can say there's play and then there's also time outdoors, time in nature. Because when you're out in nature, you're not seeing oh, that's my painting on the wall and that's my chair and that's my kitchen and that's my car and that's my office and those are my clients. It's not me and mine and my relationships to all of this. It's this fresh expanse that's, it's not a possession. It's more of an experience than a possession and kind of opens you up, takes you out of that mental cerebral activity. Um, but what brings you into the body too? So there you have the dancing um, you know, sitting in a hot tub, just relaxing, getting a great massage, taking you into the body, um, you know, doing some energy work, you know, I, I, there's a lot of different modalities in the world. Um, you know, you've got your Reiki's and you've got your quantum touch and you've got all these different healing therapies with massage. Um, my thought on that is, yeah, there's these viable modalities to get some results. Um, but one big benefit out of just playing with those modalities is you have this tendency to come down into your body. And so, I mean, this is one thing that we're doing also, you know, you were asking about the uh, three-step practice uh, yesterday. Yeah. Um, three-step practice is what we'll be teaching in our program here to anybody that has interest in, in coming through Achieve Today, teaching the three-step process in mainstream personal development. I don't know of any other organization that addresses the cause of self-sabotage, self suffering, and negativity. And... Yeah, all these techniques that are addressing symptoms, right? Even clearing a limiting belief is addressing a symptom. I've, yeah. that, that limiting belief is my symptom. But how many do I have, right? Mm -hmm. Thousands of limiting beliefs. And what is it that's producing these limiting beliefs? Um, so addressing the cause, really, the cause is the mind-identified state. When I'm stuck to the mind-body identity, that's called ego. This is the limited sense of self. So the three-step practice that those of you that are interested, that'll be uh, learning about it in our program, um, it, it is about disidentifying from the mind-body, not getting rid of, not resisting, but creating a, a distance between so you can now be the observer and the witness of your conditioning and your programming and your emotions and your thoughts much more easily than judging, saying, oh, I've got this, I need to get rid of that. And 
I like, I don't like, all of that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of different ways is the yeah. short answer and all of that was the long answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate that. That helps a lot. Well, and, and in, in emotions like anger and frustration and things like that, would you say that's ego? Is, is that ego in the sense of... Yeah, so negative emotion then. Okay. Negative emotion. So if you put emotion on a scale of zero to 10, five would be neutral and anything would below that would be called negative emotion. Okay. Um, now, there's fight or flight. Right. If you're in danger, you're going to have some adrenaline and cortisol pumping through your system, and that is going to be added to your point of view. If you're not hurt yet, but it seems imminent, eminent, what's the word? Imminent? Eminent. Yeah. It's going to happen. <laughs> if it appears that it's going to happen, and here's this adrenaline and cortisol, you're either going to run as fast as you can, you're going to prepare to fight, but most likely your emotional state is going to be fear. Right? Yeah. Because there's this threat. Now, if you come out of the grocery store and you find that somebody keyed your car, right, there's a problem, a threat, something went wrong. And so, again, the nervous system is going to be reacting with some adrenaline and some cortisol. You're going to have that fight or flight mechanism kick in. But now that's attached to a different point of view. And that point of view isn't, fi isn't run. It's fight, right? This is an injustice and I need some justice right now. And who did this? And so now that emotional experience is going to be anger. Okay. So you have some natural negative emotions that are pretty healthy, right? They help you solve problems. But what, will we, what we'll be working on in this program more often than not is the habitual negative emotion, okay. right? So if it's become like a personality trait or it's something that you notice inside yourself that you're saying, really, I want to change that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm afraid all the time. I'm nervous or stressed all the time. I'm angry all the time, right? My family is telling me and, and I recognize it. It's, you know, it's destroying my relationships. It's interfering with my job, whatever. I'm not at peace, all right. Well, then, yeah, we want to do some work with that. So there's there's healthy and unhealthy aspects of negative emotion. And we never, ever, ever want to get rid of it. Right. As if you're broken. Right. You're, you're not broken. If you've got fight or flight mechanisms that are being triggered, that's very healthy, because if you are in danger, if you are, if your life is on the line, you know, thank goodness for that, because that's going to give a little extra oomph to your muscular ability. Yeah. Right. Your ability to get away or fight or whatever is necessary. But the habitual side, um, this is not necessary. We'd call it suffering. Habitual negative emotion would be suffering. Uh, feeling less than what you would choose to be feeling would be called suffering. And it's purely optional. But it's so justified. Well, of course I should be angry. Look what happened. He insulted me. I'm going to be angry about that, right? So now I'm like obligated to being angry. And the way we unpack that is we start looking at it and saying, look, does this anger feel good? No. Did you wake up this morning and say, today is a great day to get angry about something. I need something. So you didn't actually choose to get angry and it doesn't yeah. feel good. And this anger isn't changing what you're angry about. And when, when we objectify it like that and we start dissociating from it and, and looking at it, we have a choice. And so this is like waking up from the mind identified state, waking up from, you know, conditioned reaction that's unconscious to conscious choice, right? I can choose. And 
Intelligence is when you can change by realizing the outcome in advance. So emotional intelligence would be when you can change your emotions by realizing the outcome in, in advance. And everybody that knows law of attraction knows what you think, what you feel is what you're attracting, especially if it's habitual. Right? It's electromagnetic energy, you're attracting this to you. Um, so if you're feeling less than what you would choose to be feeling, you're also feeding less than what you would choose to be feeding, and that's called mm -hmm. self-sabotage. So there's a way out, and uh, that's so what's so exciting about what we do here is we show people how to get out of that, not by getting rid of it, because it itself is resistance. A negative emotion is resisting something, right? Yeah. And so if it's there, and you start resisting that, you're resisting resistance. And now it's like two wrongs are going to... Well, equal a right, right? Right, two wrongs don't create a right, and resisting resistance doesn't create clearing, but that's the go-to thought for a lot of people. It's kind of a, like, a duh, obvious solution. I have to get rid of it, I don't like it, it's bad. Yeah. But that's a mental position, good or bad, right or wrong, you know, pleasure or pain, success or failure, I like it, I don't like it. One man's trash is another man's treasure, right? It's all perspective, but that's conditioned. So to rise above the conditioning is to disidentify from the mind and start cultivating this awakening to I am the awareness, I am the consciousness, I am the soul, I am the spirit. I am ultimately independent of the mind and body and I can change my mind. I can change my body, I can change my mood, I can change my emotions, I can change my thoughts. What is the I? Believing in it is a trap because we assume we know. Because it's true. Yeah, I am the soul. But believing in it tends to keep us away from knowing it because believing is in the mind. And we're right. So why would we ever question it? It's true and I'm right and I believe that. You don't need to tell me anything more about the soul. I already know. Yeah. But knowing is direct perception. So when we can start distancing ourselves from the mind body, from the emotional uh, thought spectrum and being the witness of it, we realize there's an intelligence that we have that's infinitely greater than the intelligence of the mind body. And, and that's why we're, I'm saying that's where we're going to find the genuine fulfillment and freedom and empowerment because it is already there and you don't know it. Right? People are not living it. Anybody that's chasing it in the future and, you know, I need to accomplish something. I need to figure out what my life purpose is and then, and then go do it and then I'll be fulfilled. Right? They're not identified with that right here, right now. So presence and mindfulness and play and, you know, these types of practices help people wake up to the realization of what's always been there. It's not an accomplishment. You can't get there. You start to realize, oh, that's mind, and this is the self. Wow. I am that. Yeah, cool, cool stuff. <laughs> so that's where it comes full circle, right? Where presence is really, would you say, probably the first step in managing, or I guess, taking control of your emotions, being able to identify that mind-body and uh, true change. Is that, is that where, is presence where it starts, or cultivating presence cultivating. Okay. leads to that empowerment. Yeah, because you're not going to go from not present to present. Um, yeah. I mean, it's sure it's possible, yeah. but it's, I, I like Eckhart Tolle. He says, um, the moment you realize you're not present, you are. Oh, and I like that. But then what happens? I'm not present. Then we judge it and yeah. lose presence yeah. again. Uh, but to stay there, uh, just witnessing that I'm not present over and over again, 
witnessing it. Um, too often, the, the, the people out there, the clients that I'll work with, say, will say something to the effect of, well, now that I'm witnessing it, how do I get rid of it? <laughs> right? And it's the first. <laughs> if, you, if you take away fuel from the fire, you don't need to put the fire out. Right, it's going to go out on its own, yeah. and so that's what we're doing in, when we're when we're waking up, when we're accessing presence, is we're taking fuel from the fire that's burning us, the suffering, the self sabotage, and when we take away that fuel, that's enough. We just need to make a habit of taking away that fuel. Right, yeah. it, it'll go out because yeah. that that fire, it should be burning. How do you know it should be burning? Because it is. Yeah. Right. It is to resist what is is a mild form of insanity. Again, Eckhart Tolle, resisting what is is a mild form of insanity. So there's this fire burning. I have this bad habit. I have this um, terrible disposition. I have these negative, you know, attitudes. I have all these limiting beliefs. How do I get rid of them? I don't like them. I'm resisting them. No, they should be there. There's a reason that they're there, and they're there serving a purpose. Right, something is burning. Right, when it burns out, you're done, and and it's going to continue to burn if you keep adding fuel to it. And here's the great, you know, eye opener: is that resisting it is adding fuel to it. So you're trying to get rid of it. You're you're trying to put the fire out with a squirt gun of gasoline. Right. Yeah. I want it to go out. You're just adding fuel to it. The, the best case scenario that's going to happen when you are using a clearing technique or your intention is to get rid of the problem, uh, if, you're, if you're coming at the solution with resistance, so whatever technique you're using, you know, you've got your Ho'oponopono's, your NLP's, your EFT's, whatever technique you're using, if you're using that technique from a stance of resistance, your best case scenario is temporary relief best case scenario so because it was a great technique it worked right now i feel better <sighs> and an amateur coach is going to say yeah we just cleared your limiting belief <laughs> well you cleared the symptoms of it yeah. right there's a lot more to it than that but when you're when you're reclaiming consciousness from the mind if you're successful at that you don't need to clear any blocks you don't need to clear any limiting beliefs you're free Right now, all of these blocks and limiting beliefs are like reading a book that's teaching you something. It's like, oh, that has a value for me, rather than, oh, that's my problem. What's the message here? Uh, I mean, what are what's the purpose of a symptom, whether it's physical or mental or emotional? A symptom says place attention here. So we place attention there, and then what? We kind of assess. We realize. We we notice. What's going on? Balance or imbalance? We opportunity. Uh, great quote. Um, I don't know who it's attributed to, but it says the weak mind perceives a problem, the mediocre mind perceives a challenge, and the strong mind perceives an opportunity. Hmm. So we have all three minds. Yeah. When we're seeing a problem in our life, we're seeing from weak mind, disempowered, you know, conditioning, and you know, just there's no presence there. Yeah. When we're perceiving from presence or strong mind, as it's indicating in the in the quote, when we're perceiving from that place, we see things as they are, and we notice the value, right? And so, value is kind of a neutral word, right? What's the value of green? What's the value of fifty-seven degrees? Yeah. Right? It's got a significance to it. We notice the value of the problem air quotes on problem. And we see that it's a gift. If we're in some way suffering, 
it's because of a lack of presence to that. We bring the presence to that, we receive the message, we receive the lesson, and we no longer fight it. it we turn a liability into an asset. Hmm. And how much time are you going to spend analyzing your asset in contrast to analyzing your liability? Right? Your, your liabilities are going to push so many more buttons than your assets are. Right? And so in a lesson, you know, saving it, it's just like adding another drop to the intellect. Oh, that. Oh, that. Or it's putting balance to imbalance. Once the balance is there, it doesn't stand out so much anymore. When there's an imbalance, it stands out and it draws our attention to it. And when it does, the ego says, ah, get rid of it. I don't like it. I shouldn't be here. Yeah. But yeah, we can go there's on. There's a lot to it. Oh my know. gosh. I wish, yeah, I wish we had more time. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, that was obviously just touching the surface for presence, for living in the now. Gil McKiff is the master of it. I get to hear him on the phone almost every day talking to students. He knows what he's talking about and uh, can get you to a place of joy, love, those positive emotions that we, we all want to be feeling and want and uh, strive to feel. That concludes the interview. Thank you for joining today, and we hope to see you next week. If you'd like to learn more about Gil, then go on to achievetoday.com slash coaches where you can learn about him, uh, some of the background that he has, and some of the things that he's really, really good at in the personal development world. If you'd like to possibly have Gil as a coach, go to achievetoday.com where you can sign up for a free 45-minute consultation where an expert will give you a call coach you through some things in your life, help you clarify some of your goals and some of the things that you're trying to accomplish and possibly pair you up with someone who could really take you to the next level and work with you on more of a long-term basis. So we hope you've enjoyed the show. Again, tune in next week and thanks for joining.